Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. 2023 Ravens training camp is upon us. It's a new season for the Ravens. It's a new season for us. This week on Pod Like a Raven. It is crazy to think it's happened. Ravens players are in Maryland. They're at the facility. They're wearing their jerseys. They're throwing footballs. Lamar Jackson is signed. We have real players making real plays as we get late into the season. August is right around the corner. Preseason games are almost upon us. And not only that, but it is the official, I should say unofficial, kickoff to a new season for Pod Like a Raven here. I am Antonio Barbera, and I am joined by the one and the only, because it's a two-man booth this week, Jace Evans. Jace, how are you feeling as we, uh, as we officially, unofficially, kick off Pod Like a Raven season five here in 2023? I'm really excited, Antonio. Uh, you know, it, the start of trade camp, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. You know, I, we talked, I, uh, I believe one of our last shows several weeks ago at this point now, though, about how for so many years, uh, you know, it was, it was our bright light in the wilderness of Baltimore sports was the start of Ravens training camp. Obviously, the O's are great this year, and that's exciting. Uh, but, you know, there's still, for me, nothing quite like the start of training camp. You just get all the excitement. And this year, I feel like that's especially true because, um, you know, la- last year, just a combination of things. The lingering injuries from 2021, Lamar Jackson's contract situation. It wasn't a lot of fun, I think, entering training camp. But this year, I think, entering training camp, a lot of excitement, a lot of energy, and uh, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm really interested um, about the team. There's concerns, which I think we'll dive into uh, in a little bit. Still some concerns for sure, but yeah, I mean, this time of year is great, and I'm I'm just really excited, and yeah, I'm excited to to get talking about it again. Feels feels like feels like we haven't done a show in a while. I had heard from some people who uh, had inquired, so to those people, thank you for listening and hanging with us. And yeah, we're excited to be back. It's a good sign, yeah, when you start to hear questions about where your show has been. That's the ultimate test that people are actually listening. Because if you just hear silence for, for weeks on end, then that means nobody even knows that your show isn't out. But it was summer vacation for us two guys, okay? We, we need a few weeks uh, of, of R&R. And I want to note also, uh, Tim Horsey will, will be here the next time we record. He's currently on vacation. I believe he's uh, at the lake, Chase. I believe, I believe this is his time that he spends that- it at uh, Deep Creek. Deep Creek Lake. Yeah, I, I was going to say, if Instagram, uh, based on my sources, which are Instagram, <laughs> uh, that appears to be the case. <laughs> All right, so we'll have Tim back next time we record, and maybe that will be the uh, unofficial official start to <laughs> Season 5 of The Ravens, as opposed to official unofficial of Pod Like a Raven. Anyway, um, yeah, Jace, you bring up a great point about the excitement. Two years ago... I think there was excitement, and then that got eliminated immediately when half the roster had torn their ACLs uh, by August 31st. Uh, the follower, I should say, August 30th. Here's a trick question. Yeah, there's only 30 days in August, Jay, so it was by August 30th. 
the following year, there was a little bit of optimism. These players were coming back, and then we kind of found out very quickly that basically all of them needed months of more time, uh, for some reason, to recover from all their various injuries, and so we got off to a slow start. This year, I think, these players are healthy, they're ready to play meaningful football, and by that I mean I don't want to see or hear from any of our starters uh, in any of the preseason games whatsoever, but... Lamar's here. He's signed. You know he's happy. You know a lot of these players are coming who were coming off of major injuries a year ago are now one year removed from that. And we are ready for, I hope, just the quietest training camp, the quietest preseason. I don't... Let us lose every game, which we hate doing. Uh, we hate losing a preseason game, but this is the year, if there ever is one, <laughs> to just stop caring entirely about those games. Uh, don't even suit up any players who are going to have meaningful snaps. Uh, during the regular season uh, and get through August and get into September with a healthy squad. We are going to go through uh, a few hot, takey, just super spicy training camp questions in a bit here. But before we go through those, uh, we have some Raven news to go over because we have not been uh, chatting for, for a couple of weeks. So we have a few things to go over. And uh, and boy, the first one, uh, I talked about as few injuries as possible couldn't even really start, Jace, without a season-ending injury. Um, but, I mean, no offense to this particular player, this particular position, but it's maybe the most replaceable. Uh, and it's Nick Moore, the long snapper for the Ravens. Uh, I believe he tore his Achilles uh, preparing for training camp. Tough. Uh, I don't know how how that happens, but it's, it's a tough blow for him. Um... So the, the wolf pack, if it's still called that, has, is already down one of its wolves. So where there were three wolves in the wolf pack, now there are only two. Um, Nick Moore out for the season, but already a replacement uh, in Baltimore to fill that role, Jason. Yeah, so the, reportedly this actually hasn't gone official yet, but it seems like they're still, you know, just ironing out the contract. The The Ravens are signing this guy named Tyler Ott. I'll admit, had never heard of him. <laughs> Former Pro Bowl player, though, for the Seahawks. Caveat who missed all of last season with a shoulder injury. Now, for a long snapper, that seems like a problem. Obviously, I guess if they're signing him, the Ravens are presumably fine uh, with his medical situation. Um, yeah, when it comes to Nick Moore, you don't like to see guys get hurt. He has stepped up, uh, you know, after they, they re replaced Morgan Cox, longtime long snapper, with Nick Moore. And I've never really noticed any... <laughs> particularly problematic snaps in all his time, uh, uh, or at least they're few and far between. I don't have much else to say about Nick Moore, but hopefully, you know, Tyler Ott can step in and, and just kind of keep the machine. I, obviously, I think Justin Tucker is the most important part of that machine, but, uh, you know, get get the ball, get the balls to Jordan Stout, get the balls placed, let let Tuck get it up. That's that's the most important thing. And then, yeah, just, you know, get, get it back for punts. It still stinks that there's kind of, you know, a season-ending injury before you even <laughs> get to training camp. It's just really disappointing, and I, I would say somewhat ominous. <laughs> that certainly wasn't something I enjoyed seeing. Um, so, yeah, I feel bad for Nick Moore, but, you know, uh, if Tyler Ott's a former Pro Bowl player, uh, you trust the people who know these things, who vote on that kind of stuff. I'm sure he's good. Uh, and then just one housekeeping note I wanted to touch on. Uh, you were right the first time. There's 31 days in August, Antonio. Oh, oh, is this the, oh, that's the one where they're both, see what happened. This is where July and August both have 31 days back to back. Uh, and this was, 
keeping count of days on the calendar. Uh, the segment, new segment of Pod Like a Raven. Of course, there's 31 days in both July. I, I had to check and because because you said it and I said that's right, and then I said, wait a minute, doesn't August 31 exist? Because <laughs> it throws me off every year. So, yeah, the more uh, you know. A little bit, you know, we're still getting the summer rust uh, <laughs> off here uh, on the show, but we'll be we'll definitely be perfect from here on out. Um, another question that I might have gotten wrong, Jace, are they still the Wolf Pack, even though they no longer have two of the three members of the original <laughs> Wolf? Did that name transfer, or, uh, I, I, or no? Uh, as far as I, maybe they may have retired it. I feel like they sort of just that's sort of just like the Ravens special teams unit. But yeah, you might have to rebrand if it's okay. I think maybe maybe that's something we can take upon ourselves. We can be the guys who rebrand the Wolf Pack. I'll take that under consideration. I'll come up with some ideas. Uh. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so 0 for 2 for me to start uh, to start the show, but that's all right. Um, yeah, I mean, replacing that type of position with a player who got a Pro Bowl nod at that position seems good enough for me, uh, and we will just hope that that is the, the only season-ending injury that the Ravens have this summer. Uh, next, that I want to go over briefly for a while, if you have more things to say about it, is Rashad Bateman, who was injured, uh, you know, roughly halfway through the season last year with a foot injury, uh, had the uh, the terrifying walking boot uh, when the injury occurred, which we knew meant we were not going to be seeing him for the rest of the year, uh, has been rehabbing all off-season in theory, uh, and then didn't show up for the first day uh, of training camp where he technically should have been there. And there were a lot of uh, antennas raised at, oh no, is this some sort of contract thing? A hold, hold out, hold in. I guess a hold in is when you show up, so it couldn't even be a hold in. Um, and was this going to be another problem to add to the list of uh, potential contract frustrations that exist on this on this team, such as the the J.K. Dobbins uh, issues, mild potential issues? Um, but Bateman then showed up uh, the day after. Uh, this this supposed absence. Um, we'll start the training camp on the PUP list. We'll be worked back slowly to full health. I don't understand it, Jace. I again, this will surprise many listeners. I'm not a doctor, but I feel like this injury was a very very long time ago, uh, and I thought he should have been ready a long time before this. But I don't know. But at least he's here. Uh, he's in the works to be ready to go week one, but, you know, I will not be exactly shocked if three weeks into August we find out that he's actually going to miss the first month, but in the building, uh, a positive a positive first step there for Bateman. Well, so that's my concern, the, 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 the not showing up on day one, who knows, he might have just had a travel conflict, you know, the Ravens, the, the Ravens don't help themselves, Antonio, with anything... They present because Bateman doesn't show up on day one, and all they say is, uh, "This is Eric DaCosta's statement. I've spoken to Rashad, and we expect him here very soon." It's like, great, thanks for diffusing that situation. Uh, so we have no idea why he missed. It could have just literally, yeah, been like a travel issue. Uh, the issue is landing. To, yeah, as you said, to me, the issue is landing on the physically unable to perform list. Um, this is a guy who was the Ravens' number one receiver entering last season and I think and I think we'll touch on this in a, a, a little different way I think he's what number three now um and falling if he can't play like uh it, it's just really unfortunate and it's frustrating 
for a guy who we saw the talent. We saw him take that slant to the house against Miami last year. There were just been flashes of brilliance in his first two seasons, but he, he just hasn't been able to stay on the field. And to, to, to just, you know, it's, I probably know, it's no real fault of his own, right? But, like, just not being able to – ready to go for training camp, new offensive coordinator, like we talked about, you hope you don't see – Lamar Jackson a second in a preseason game even though they're working in this new offense you need these training camp reps for that if you're not you know playing and they shouldn't uh any of the you know Batemans of the world or Lamars of the world it just stinks and it it just it's it feels like we're getting off on the wrong foot uh no pun intended I guess uh like yet again with him entering training camp it's just like you know, it derailed foot injury derailed like it was a foot injury, right? Or groin injury derailed his rookie year, um, an injury der- like got him off to a slow start his rookie year, and now it feels like we're just kind of in the the same place, and it's just it's upsetting for and and it's just it's just the thing with the Ravens receiver because it was like I feel like this was Hollywood's foot, and now it's uh, now it's Bateman's foot, and it's just a bummer. And I hope he gets healthy, but I'm with you. I am not going to be surprised if he is not ready to go week one. They're slowly ramping him up, but everything involving him has been like so weird and mysterious um, that I won't be, you know, surprised if he's not ready to go. And that just stinks. And uh, uh, just one other (laughs) programming note I just want to sprinkle in. We mentioned Tyler Ott. Ravens have made it official as of when we were recording. So Tyler Ott is your new long snapper, Ravens fans. Officially back, Ravens. Officially back now with a solidified long snapper. Um, next to go over is a even more puzzling than whatever else we have talked about thus far. And it is the Ravens making an addition. Uh, is it depth at corner? No. Is it a veteran presence as a pass rusher? No, it's not. It's Melvin Gordon uh, running, running back previously uh, of the Denver Broncos. Jace, I'm confused. I'm confused <laughs> because he was signed in theory because they need another body in the building at that position. It's depth while Dobbins and Edwards continue to rehab. Edwards apparently in uh, mini camp was doing like stuff on the side, not with the main team or main position group. Dobbins was having his own in and out issues. But they both were playing meaningful minutes at the end of last season. I don't under... What is Edwards' rehab? He came back. He played games. He finished the season healthy. J.K. Dobbins played, had a little procedure midseason, and came back and was getting dozens of carries. Again, what what is... What happened? What What depth... They're back. They're healthy. Why aren't they doing all the meaningful reps and things now... To be ready to go for the start of the season. I I feel you there, Antonio. You know, reading, reading some more about it, Jeff Zarebic pointed out uh, those two, they they did miss time last year, too. In addition to missing all of the 2021 season, neither played 10 games. They've missed 51 games the last two years. So I get, I guess, I'll defend the Ravens of this and that I say I get the case for added running back depth. And then... The case against the Ravens is, but why Melvin Gordon, I guess? Um, because, like, he's fine. We know what Melvin Gordon is. He's a former first-round pick. 
you know, he he two-time Pro Bowler. He only has one 1,000-yard season, which really jumped out to me, kind of surprised me. And the thing that concerns me, no matter what role you have this guy in, and, I, and like, you know, they don't run the ball a ton with Justice Hill, so I get... It it doesn't it's not awful I think to have a fourth running back but I do think that running back should probably just be like a draft pick or an undrafted free agent or someone young that isn't a thirty year old running back who you know whose big problem is and why he got cut by the Broncos is he seems to fumble in like the hugest moments of every game it's like he fumbles a ton and it always seems to be in literally the most like critical moments possible he, when he was with the chargers i remember he fumbled a ball on the one to lose a game against the titans he, he like had, there was like a fumble six situation involving him in one of the many games the broncos lost in dumb ways last year um i just don't need a fourth string running back who's 30 who fumbles the ball all the time uh you know when this crossed the wire this uh, we joked about it this is just like the most raven signing ever it's the most john harbaugh signing ever and i think it's also and I think we'll touch on this in a bit. I think it's also a sign of the more things change, the more they stay the same because it's still the same guy in charge, still Johnny Harbs, and uh, they're just gonna do things like this <laughs> as long as he's in charge. But he, but even the, I, first of all, I uh, yes, I agree with all that. <laughs> but this shouldn't even be his type of guy, Jace. The fumbles are insane. Have you seen that? I will hit. I'm gonna hit you and the listeners with the numbers in a second here. Have you looked at his... This might not be fair, because as you all know, Jace Evans is literally a savant when it comes to statistics <laughs> and any sort of data of historical relevance. Have you looked at his page? Do you know his career fumble numbers? I, I, I looked I looked at it's, it. It's obscene. It's, it's over 20. <laughs> I know, right? He is, he is an eight-year veteran. Uh, oh, let me get this. One, two, three, four. Yeah, eight-year veteran of the National Football League who has 26 Ooh. fumbles to his name including five a year ago in ten games. <laughs> it's not good. He's, he's, not, he's gonna make it eight reps in practice and fumble, and Harbaugh's gonna put him in the doghouse. What is he doing here? It's n- it makes no sense to me whatsoever. Get a fourth, which is funny we're talking about this, because we will, we will cover the running back position later in this episode <laughs> when we get to the NFL section, but... Get a get a guy with twenty two year old legs in here who has no fumble history. I have no doubt that he's gonna get you the three point five yards per carry that a thirty year old Melvin Gordon is gonna get, which is what his average was last year. I'm confused. I don't know. This deal is one of those like one year up to three point one million, so maybe it means you know almost nothing uh, until he <laughs> actually signs for the team or play, or I should say is on the the final roster and plays meaningful snaps, but I just, I don't know. I don't know, man, but (laughs) we'll see. I say this, and then six weeks into the regular season, I'm going to be singing Melvin Gordon's praises. Melvin Gordon's 200-yard game. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so that happened. And then there's one other other little bit of uh, Ravens news to go over, and this one is... It's kind of developing, seems like a sure thing, but isn't quite, uh, and it's basically a, a two-parter. And the first part definitely happened, and that's Marcus Peters officially signing with the Las Vegas Raiders. So uh, um, an official goodbye to uh, Ravens legend and potential future random Raven. Maybe he's too, too well-known, Chase, to be a random Raven, but uh, it's an official goodbye 
to Marcus Peters, and right as that was kind of developing, uh, the Ravens working out Arthur, uh, is it Mallette, Chase? Mallette? Or Mallette? I gotta, I gotta hand up. I had never heard of this guy. Yeah. And, but he plays. He, like, started games for the Steelers last year. (laughs) He's played 16 and 17 games uh, last season. He played 17. Played 16 for the Steelers the year before. We play this team twice a year. You'd think I'd have noticed him, but... Arthur M. A good guy. (laughs) Great guy. Uh, Plays a heck of a cornerback. And uh, officially not signed, but it's... A lot of reports uh, out there saying that this is just about done um, to provide some cornerback depth and potentially a response to Marcus Peters no longer being uh, available whatsoever um, for the Ravens later into the summer. But some movement there at the cornerback position, Jace, and and a a goodbye to a a Ravens favorite. Yeah, I I really liked Marcus Peters. I thought he brought, you know, some energy and, you know, his first two seasons playmaking. I think the writing was kind of on the wall with this, though. Obviously, he tears the ACL. He comes back last year. Not quite the same player. He's on the wrong side of 30 for NFL teams now. And, um, yeah, I get, you know, I was holding out hope. Maybe they bring him back. Uh, We'll touch on it. I'm not sold on there are current solutions to <laughs> the 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 cornerback uh, room, I guess. Uh, you know, obviously, you basically you're replacing Marcus Peters with with Rock Yasin. Um, we will see how that goes. Uh, but Marcus Peters was a great player, um, and but yeah, like the like I said, the writing was on the wall. His, his kind of playmaking dropped off. He just had what the one pick last year. Yeah, one one interception and. It wasn't the playoff. It wasn't the playoff game, right? Or uh, but a late season game where him and Harbaugh really got into it on the sideline at some point. Um, it just seemed like you know. I think both sides had reached a point where it was probably fine to move on. But I can't. You know, it will stink if he 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 still has it. Like, what if he comes back? He's a full year removed, or two years removed from the injury, and he's just really good for the Raiders again. Um, you know, obviously they don't play in Oakland, but Mark, anymore. But Marcus Peters from Oakland. I'm sure he grew up a Raiders fan, playing for the Raiders. That's probably pretty cool. Um, but yeah, if he's if he's good, that will drive Ravens fans insane. I'm sure. <laughs> like there will be tweets. There will be tweets about it if Marcus Peters has a four interception season. And he was a player who had kind of worn out his welcome with the Rams when he was traded. To Baltimore, he had had success for the Rams, and then kind of wore out the welcome. Gets traded, has kind of a similar path in Baltimore. So I have no doubts that he will sort of had that renewed. Maybe he's just a, the classic, you know, needs new a new stomping grounds kind of thing, or needs a fresh start somewhere else. And he will have a very good first season with the Raiders. I'm I'm, I'm confident in that in that Jace. But um, Arthur M. Uh, a good depth piece, a guy that I was also shocked by how many games he had played for a division rival, uh, and yet I knew very, very little about him, uh, including the pronunciation of his last name. But clearly they look are looking for um, more bodies, more guys with at least some proven experience. And I'm not going to get into it too much because it's coming up very soon uh, in our next segment. Um about who is going to either they got a bunch of guys throw a bunch of names under the wall and see what sticks in terms of the depth uh, at that position. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But um, 
that's it for for Raven news. Um, so Jace, if you're ready, uh, we need the like the music in the background, like the <laughs> pew, 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 pew. like we're gonna turn to Are training camp ready? now. Yeah, <laughs> and we're gonna run through um, some training camp questions that we came up with. Very quickly, um, because the the holes on this team are pretty obvious. There's not many of them, um, but there are a few, and they are pretty big. And they are the they are the issues preventing this team from making s- serious runs uh, in in the postseason. Um, assuming health and, and hoping for health at at the top positions, including quarterback. Um, so I'm going to run through these one at a time get your take you can you can answer it in two words you can answer it in two thousand words uh, and we're gonna work our work our way through here and then maybe add some um, as we go uh, and for the listener because why not if you have some hot training camp questions that we didn't cover send them in and we will address them uh, when we have our next episode uh, which will probably be in a couple of weeks but we'll work it into the rotation so if we if you feel we didn't address the long snapper position and, and the hot seat for uh, for Tyler Ott, you let us know, uh, and we'll we'll try to address it more intensely uh, in our next in our next episode. But all right, so there is one question, Jace, that I'm skipping entirely, and it is a reasonable one to have, but I'm skipping it, and that is what are the Ravens going to do with the backup QB slash third QB position? Uh, will they have a third quarterback? Who is their best backup? And I'm skipping it, Chase, because Lamar Jackson is playing in all 17 games this season. So it will never be a thing that needs to be addressed. It will not rear its ugly head. Um, and just to continue to make this more reality, he will have to play uh, game 17 because the Ravens will not have locked up uh, any sort of, you know, number one seed or, or anything like that. So... He will have to play all 17 games, and he will. I'm manifesting. It's out there. Um, We look forward to a full season of Lamar Jackson. Real question, number one. And it's maybe the biggest uh, roster-wise that this team has to face, and it is who is... I'm phrasing it this way for you because obviously the question is about left guard, and it is, you know, your basic question is, you know, who, who's in the mix? What's going to happen? But I'm asking you right now, who is the current starting left guard? If Harbaugh had to put these guys on a list, um, who walks into the room as the default number one on the depth chart? Obviously, it's going to be a competition throughout throughout camp, but who has to make a move, basically? Who has to somersault who uh, in order to get that, that starting spot? So, obviously, along the line, Ronnie Stanley, Morgan Moses, Kevin Zeitler, Tyler Linderbaum locked locked into their positions. Um, then there's just this cloud of players. John Simpson, uh, who played 11 games last year uh, with the Las Vegas Raiders. Patrick McCarry, who we know well. Daniel Falele. Uh, Malisala Almave Laulu. Sure. Uh, the rookie draft pick. Ben Cleveland. Um, who we've talked about quite a bit on this show, and then Sam Mustafer, uh, who played last season for the Bears. So there's some some dudes there, even some other guys further down the, the, the list, but I think it's those names that I, that I mentioned after the, the sort of solidified starters. Who right now would you say is the starter, um, barring you know the camp competition? So 
in my heart, I feel like it is probably John Simpson at the moment. You know, a player they bring in, I think they probably view him as, you know, a guy with starting experience, um, fairly extensive starting experience. And he started all 17 games for the 2021 Raiders. Was that offensive line good? No. So that's a concern. But I, I do think, you know, when you bring in an outside player with starting experience, because you don't have, in, or it's because you feel you're not confident in your uh, internal solutions. I feel like in a perfect world, this would be Ben Cleveland's shot. But clearly, he has, I think, um, you know, I think he's on thin ice <laughs> with the coaching staff. I, I think he has to have a good training camp or he might not make the team frankly he might be a cut candidate for this team and it, so it probably should be he should probably have the inside track based on his you know draft position uh and you know being a third round draft pick recently but he hasn't earned it to this point and so that's why my mind just goes to simpson but i'm curious what you think of this antonio and i think we've kind of touched on this before but i don't know why patrick mccarry is it like considered the favorite for this he's clearly one of of that group of linemen you listed he's clearly the best <laughs> lineman the ravens have that doesn't have a starting job locked down and, and i read an interesting thing jeff zarebic had that mccarry has started at literally every other position on the ravens offensive line during his time in baltimore he started at right guard he started at right tackle left tackle center he hasn't started at left guard no but you know, you know I, I think he's their best player that doesn't have a full-time job, and I get what they want to keep him because, you know, they always seemingly always need to rotate tackles in for one reason or another in recent years, but um, I don't know. Yeah, it just seems like he should be the favorite and just kind of isn't, <laughs> and I don't really know why because, it, it, like, I get, like, yeah, his versatility, and he's, he's a little taller, right, um, or in, probably is – better suited to play tackle but you know he, he's he's started a lot of games for this team uh and has played all over the place so yeah i i, I just don't know why he's just not <laughs> considered the favorite even if i like he if he if he is the best guy they have it yeah it is this odd thing it's like having a utility infielder but you have an opening at first base, and it's like, well, he, why don't you put him at first? Not, look, he's so good at playing short, second, and third that we actually want to use him as a platoon player every couple of games at these positions rather than every game. Uh, if you had asked me this question, I would have said, like, if we could have phrased this also as, like, a, a fun kind of gambling question, like, if you had to bet right now who the starting player would be at left guard, who would you pick? I think I would take Makari. To be honest, and I think it. The point is, somebody beat him out, please, because we want him to be a guy that can go at all these other positions. We don't want him getting banged up at left guard, and then if any other position gets hurt, we've lost this, you know, sort of Swiss Army knife that can play at any of these spots. I'm not sure how much sense that makes in in reality about keeping a guy on the bench to make sure that he can come in for somebody if they get hurt. I, I don't know about that, but that's what they seem to have done for to him a lot of times. And they are happy with him in that role. They've paid him to be in that role. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what I was going to add. Like, they gave him a second contract and not one, right? Like, and uh, not, he's not, 
there's money on that. Not deal. an insignificant <laughs> yeah, amount of money. Yeah. 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 Uh, just kind of this like perfect, like, yeah, you can go test the market and get less money and have a chance to start. But we love you as this thing that can kind of go all over the line. And we'll maybe even pay a little bit of a premium because of how useful that is to us. But don't you even look at left guard because you're not <laughs> you're not starting there. I don't. It's confusing. Uh, it is confusing to me. Um, but certainly there are multiple players who have they have experience. They've played that position or they've played other positions um, consistently uh, in the NFL across the line. And then you got a couple of these wild cards like Falele and uh, uh, Amavelaulu who you know. Take an opportunity. That's what the NFL is about. These guys are kind of looked at as as tackle prospects, but there's a spot. Do you? How bad do you want to play in the NFL? Like make it work at the guard at the guard position, and then see how it goes in the future. Um, okay. So the next question, uh, and it is arguably the next biggest hole that that this team has, and I might have to. Oh gosh, the more that I look at this, I might have to tweak it. The original question, Jace, was. Who is this team's third corner? Dare I say, who is this team's second corner? Because <laughs> there's Marlon Humphrey, and then in theory, the second one is Rocky Asin. Guess what? Not a consistent 17-game-per-season kind of contributor. And then after him, it's a lot of question marks and a lot of part-time play and a lot of youth and inexperience. Um, Jalen Armour-Davis... Played in the first half of the season, struggled quite a bit, um, got hurt. Uh, Demarion Williams, Spotty, uh, Kelly Blue Book, uh, the rookie, Q Blue, Kelly. Uh, Daryl Worley, obviously a bit more experience there. And then just some other, I mean, your Kevon Seymour's, Trayvon Mullen, Ardarius Washington. A lot of doubts here. So I'll let you answer how you would like, Jace, whether it's, you know, what is the bigger question here? Who is the second corner or who is the third? Oh. Yeah, it's that's really good. Uh, yeah, because there, there's a lot of just penciling in Rock Yasin as like, oh yeah, he's like just as good as Marcus Peters, and I just do not believe that. <laughs> His name is awesome, Rock Yasin. Great name. Uh, we've talked. I think we talked about this. This guy hasn't had an interception since 2020. Uh, it's you know not that like. If you're like a lockdown cornerbacks, you know, your interception numbers are obviously much lower than your safeties and all that kind of thing. But but still, it's I, I think it's a concern and it's why I, I, I have, I think, pushed back a little bit on the idea that this defense is just going to be as unstoppable as some people think. Because they were playing really well at the end of the year. And I do agree a full year of Roquan Smith is not going to be a bad thing. And I think they're going to be good. I think they're good, but they are in serious, serious trouble. If Marlon Humphrey gets hurt this season, I think, I think we're looking at like back to basically a 2021 secondary, um, for this team. If we remember how that went, uh, if, if, if Marlon gets hurt and, you know, yeah, there there's opportunities for your Jalen Armour Davises and Pepe Williams and Kelly to, you know, Kelly to come in, the other two to make a leap. But it wasn't good, that, you know, for Williams and uh, Armour Davis's rookie year. So that's concerning. And uh, I, I just think, you know, we you run through the gauntlet of quarterbacks in the AFC. 
I, I have concerns. I have concerns with the number two corner being Rock Yassin. I have concerns uh, with the number three through, you know, I, I personally, I think Daryl Worley's going to get a lot of play just knowing how John Harbaugh operates and he likes guys that, you know, I seemingly Worley feels like he's been through multiple times now uh, with this team. And, you know, I'm sure Kevon Seymour ends up <laughs> playing games and, uh, and Trayvon Mullins, Lamar's cousin, I'm sure he's going to make the team as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I just have concerns with the, the sort of secondary as a whole. And I think that's compounded by another position group we'll talk about in a moment. I just, I just, I don't think the defense is infallible. I think it could be good, but I don't think it maybe will hit the same highs as people are just assuming they'll hit based on how they were playing last year. And maybe the secondary paper or the rest of the secondary papers over some of the corner issues, you know, maybe they play a guy like Brandon Stevens, like sort of drafted as a cornerback, but kind of has turned into a safety. Maybe they play him in the slot more and, and you have a ton of defensive backs on the field. And, and I do love what the Ravens have at safety. We should have a full season of Marcus Williams. That should be great. He's supposed to be healthy again. You know, if Kyle Hamilton plays the way he ended last season, that should be great. Uh, so there, there's room to kind of, I think, paper over it a little bit. But, oh, yeah, I mean, I have I have concerns <laughs> uh, about just the entire quarterback situation, especially given that it's the position that just seemingly has the most season-ending injuries of any, of any group on the Ravens. It's just these guys just get hurt all the time on the back end. It's just such a you know, aggressive and physical position. And, and, and the Ravens in particular seem to be hard hit by it. So, yeah, I, I'm definitely concerned about just state of the cornerbacks who aren't named Marlon Humphrey. And I think the Ravens are concerned. That's why you see a move for uh, Arthur M uh, <laughs> to add depth. And that may not be the only move they end up making. But, Jace, I think the back half of your answer there is the real solution i think they are so confident in the safety room where i i think they have four good to very good safeties geno stone was on the fringes of this team had been i think had been released and then was re-signed or had been maybe moved to the practice squad or something like that he definitely bounced around for sure and then last year really solidified a role on the team as a backup safety Brandon Stevens, as you mentioned, and I think they are going to use three of those four guys. Marcus Williams is center field, and then I think they're going to use three of those other four safeties in spot positions uh, and just try to put their best 11 football players on the field as often as possible. And I think it will uh, work for the most part, and we just uh, yeah, hold our breaths for <laughs> Marlon Humphrey. Just all the positive I'm manifesting again, Jace. It's July, and I'm manifesting a lot. Uh, we need some good things happening, uh, and like all the yoga for Humphrey, and the, <laughs> get a get him a chef all set up so that his diet is uh, <laughs> his peak, and he's not yeah. making poor food decisions and all this. Because I mean, Rakusin has played in 52 games uh, over four seasons, has started 38 of them. Started nine games last year, eight games the year before, eight games the year before that. All of a sudden, we're just expecting uh, a, a jump to where he starts twice as many games as he basically ever has in his career. I have my doubts. I have my concerns with that. So 
yeah, uh, a thin group seemingly every year, even though they really do try to address it. They added players. They drafted, <laughs> and they made free agent additions, and the room is still thin. So we will see. Uh, we will see what happens there. But I think the, the confidence in trading away at Chuck Clark demonstrates how good they feel about the talent at safety, and they will use those players um, on the back end as much as possible. Uh, okay, I'm going to move away temporarily from just a, a player question and now it's scheme chase <clears throat> if greg roman's scheme on offense was 70 30 run to pass in terms of like the ethos of the ravens offense what will todd munkin's ratio be and i i'm asking you to tell me this before having seen any of it in the pros mm-hmm. but i know you've seen a lot of it from his days uh, at georgia so how much do you think those numbers will kind of shift uh, with Munkin running running the show? So I still believe the Ravens are going to run more than they pass. Uh, I believe that because Lamar Jackson is the best rushing quarterback in the NFL. I believe it because they have good running backs. And I most importantly, I believe it because John Harbaugh is the head coach <laughs> and he wants to still run the ball. I do think we might get to, you know, like a 57% run. Definitely under 60, I think. I think it'll be... Much wow. more, maybe maybe a fifty-five forty-five. Um, I do think it'll be more traditional. What excites me is the things you read about up tempo. I know we've talked in the past. Lamar always seems to do well at up tempo, um, and I'm intrigued about them putting just more on his plate. It sounds like he's going to be able to audible more. Hopefully, that means getting the plays off faster, getting to the line quicker, all the things we complained about. But I still think even in a, an up-tempo approach, there's room to run the ball. And I think the Ravens are going to want to run the ball because they have, you know, offensive linemen built to run, <laughs> run the ball well. They have, uh, to, you know, if Edwards uh, and Dobbins especially, if they're healthy... Um, they still should have some of the better running back tandem with running back group in the NFL. Uh, and then, like I said, with Lamar. So I still think they're going to run a ton. They're not going to abandon the run because John Harbaugh doesn't want to abandon the run. But I do think putting more on Lamar's plate's interesting. And I think, you know, also serves to just kind of be like, uh, I was thinking about this today. It's just like, Lamar, Lamar is not that he wasn't before, but just unquestionably like, this is his team. This is his franchise, and uh, he is the face of the team. So, I, you know, the fact that even more goes through him, I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, so, yeah, I I do want to say, just one aside, uh, it's driven, this uh, This might be a what's bothering Jace. Um, Here we go. The people who have latched onto that Lamar quote about him just offhand saying, I want to throw for 6,000 yards as if that was, like, what his actual target is, is it's insane to me he clearly said it like just kind of like yeah what like like a number you make up it's like i want to make 18 billion dollars a year like it's like yeah he just was like i want to throw for six thousand yards and people were like can lamar throw for six thousand yards like earnestly debating it on like espn shows and stuff and i i don't know where like that (laughs) i guess that's just the 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 talking head twitter hot take culture we live in but so many people seem to be taking that number as fact and it's like Hey, Lamar's not going to throw for 6,000 yards, and he might not even throw for 4,000 yards. Like, uh, you know, a, a great Lamar season, I would say, would be, uh, you know, 3,800 passing yards and give me, like, 900 rushing yards, and that's perfect. Uh, you know, they're still going to run the ball, I think. I, I think it will be uh, more respectable. I think when they pass, it'll 
be with purpose and make sense and people won't be running into the same spot and all those kind of things we complained about with Greg Roman over the last few years. I'm excited to see it. Um, that being said, I don't want to see too much of it in preseason. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of, you know, a weird thing. Let's save some of it for the season. But uh, yeah, I just had to get that. That, that Lamar 6,000 yards thing's been driving me crazy because I'm like, he's not throwing for 6,000 yards. And anyone who thought he was like, like, yeah, we'd all love to throw for 6,000 yards, I guess. But like, no one's going to throw for 6,000 yards. It's just impossible. It was just a big number he kind of just threw out there. And the fact that everyone seemed to take that as gospel is wild to me. This episode, Jace, we're getting a million downloads. <laughs> a million. And you quote me on that, and that's exactly the number that I mean. Um, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm interested, I'm happy to hear your ratios, because I think I would have gone still a bit higher with the run. I think I would have changed it from 70-30 to, like, 60-40, um, but I'd rather it be the numbers that, (laughs) I'd rather it be closer to 55-45. The talent is there at wide receiver for the first time in a very long time. Maybe this might be the best group of wide receivers the Ravens have ever had, uh, I would like to see it, uh, and I would like to see it as you, oh boy, so very well put, with 20 seconds left on the play clock as opposed to <laughs> 1 to 0. Um, I don't think we're going to see much of it at all uh, in the preseason, and that's fine, and that's okay, and then we'll just uh, unleash hell on the Houston Texans week one uh, with so many downfield throws you, you can't believe what you're saying. I will say this, in you know, because it's the summer and there's no Ravens football to be watching, I chose now to discover and kind of deep dive into Kurt Warner's, like, analysis of um, different offenses and passing schemes, and he has several videos uh, on the old YouTube analyzing Lamar Jackson and, more specifically, the offensive scheme that they were running last year. And just there's a lot of good content coming from Kurt when he has to say, uh, like, pre-snap, or even, like, he kind of goes back and forth with the clips, the All-22, and he does the, I don't really know what they're doing here. I don't know what the, (laughs) what's the goal here with this particular play? And it just over and over and over again, he demonstrates, and it is good for the football experts, it is good for football noobs, and everything in between. He does a really good job of demonstrating... You know, the the ideal goals of the development of the play, either not making sense, being subpar, or not fitting into what the situation was in the game. A lot of instances of players, like, running into each other, almost, or taking up the same space. Several instances where he talks about one defender accidentally covering multiple receivers <laughs> in their routes, which obviously is, like, the reverse engineering of how you want the numbers to work uh and it was fascinating and disappointing uh, all at the same time so we, we are all ready for uh a todd munkin scheme no matter what it is at this point like just curious just curious to see it um in september uh not in august but in september coming up uh okay back to the defense and back to players jace um is the interior defensive line going to struggle without Calais Campbell? Uh, I have a few things to say about this one, so I'm going to go first here if you don't mind. Uh, yes, please do. Um, because I, <laughs> because if we're going to do a What's Bothering Jace, uh, this is what's bothering me, kind of. Because there has been a lot of chat about replacing 
Calais Campbell. I think we, the three of us, may have even talked about it uh, a couple of weeks ago. I forget, or I should true, maybe a couple of months ago. I forget if it was around draft time or early free agency, uh, maybe when Campbell signed with the Falcons. But I think some of the best pound-for-pound players on this football team are on the defensive line and on the interior of the defensive line. And they are Justin Matabuke and Broderick Washington. And potentially even the ascendant Travis Jones. And I I think the interior D-line is going to be better than it was last year without Calais Campbell. W- big spicy words coming here, Jace. Are we going to block as many field goals? No. <laughs> However, <laughs> uh, Campbell was banged up often in the last two years. He wasn't the same as a pass rush presence. Obviously, he was very strong against the run and very strong as just like an unmovable object uh, on the defensive line. But this idea of players having to take the leap in order to fulfill expectations, I don't think exists on the defensive line. The exact thing that we were just talking about, Rocky Asin, he needs to improve over everything he's done in his career because he's only started half seasons every year. He needs to double his productivity, basically, in order to be the number two starting corner on this football team. I don't view that as the case at all here. I view it as Matabuke is a stud who needs as many plays on the field as he possibly can get, both against the run and against the pass. Broderick Washington has, like, improved and shown flashes. Travis Jones is now going to be a second year, like, he's got the rookie year behind him and played pretty well, by the way, in kind of a limited role as the fourth guy uh, on the interior of the defensive line. He moves up one spot. I'm jacked up about the interior of this line, Jace. I'm not concerned about it at all, and I would rather be giving more reps and more snaps to these three guys who are all in their 20s than continuing to do it with a guy who's 36. I'll have to pull that up, but turning 36 or already 36, I love where we're at, and I think this is going to be one of our most dominant position groups, maybe on both sides of the ball. Yeah, uh, with Campbell... I think I'm a, I, I kind of split the difference, uh, I, I think. I, I, I don't disagree with you. In fact, I agree with you a lot in that, yeah, I think, um, you know, putting your faith in two guys coming off their two best seasons who, you know, I think, as you said, were like two of their, you know, easily ten best players, uh, ten best defenders, two of their seven best defenders, um, who are uh, Matabuke's 25 uh, Washington's 26, uh, p- putting more on their plate after they just ha- came off their best seasons. I don't think, uh, you know, is a bad thing. I think that's good. And uh, but that being said, Campbell was. I was I was kind of surprised to see Campbell's sack total when I looked it up today. I didn't remember it being five and a half. That's you know tied for second on the team. Um, so I do think they still need just a little, uh, maybe a, a, a little more uh, sack pop if they can get it from those guys up front. And I think that's possible. Um, but I'm with you. I, I think they could actually weather it. As you said, Campbell, he turns 37 on September 1st. So before the season starts, he'll be 37 years old, 6'8", 300 pounds. You know, that's a lot of wear and tear. As we said, he's been banged up a lot. But he was really good last year. And I don't want to dismiss that. I do think he's been an important leader. Campbell had been an important leader for the Ravens. But I think when you bring in a guy like Roquan, you know, I I think, I, I, you know, not to diminish Campbell or whatever. It's just, I think, 
I think if you have a guy like him, it's like you don't need like more leadership. You just need guys who can produce. And uh, I think giving that opportunity to younger guys is uh, solid. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm actually. Uh, I think. I think. Um, well, I guess in a perfect world, I'd want Campbell back. I don't think it'll be the fall off people think. So I'm with you in that regard. Calais Campbell is 36 uh, right now. Unclear. I haven't been able to find yet exactly when his uh, September, birthday, if he's turning 37. Sep- uh, September 1st, so before the season starts. Yeah, 37 so. it will be by week one. Yeah, the sack numbers are, I will admit, also surprising. Five and a half. I mean, if this is like a d- debate team, uh, I will just say he had his last sack for the team uh, in November and mm. then did not record one in December or January across kind of, six games. Kind and of matters. And was also inactive for two of them. I mean, yeah, just if I'm splitting hairs a little bit. But I'm ready for, you know, some positions need the youth, a little bit of a youth movement. Corner, maybe not so much. But <laughs> the interior of the defensive line, uh, I am ready for uh, the first Pro Bowl for Justin Matabuke this year. Um, okay, <laughs> speaking of a need along the defensive line, do the Ravens, Jace, add a veteran pass rusher before the season starts? At the moment, Tyus Bowser, Odafe Owe, David Ojabo, Tavius Robinson, and then some long shot guys to make the roster. We've talked about it, and we've talked about it, and we've talked about it. There is a lot of talent here, not a lot of production, or not a lot of proven statistics from uh, most of those guys does a Justin Houston uh, come back do they (laughs) I've even given up on this officially but does a Jadavian Clowney uh, enter the mix or uh, Yannick Ngakwe make a a return to to Baltimore Um, do they address this with a veteran addition before the season starts I think it's impossible they don't and I assume that the guy's just going to be Houston because they're familiar with him they like him in the locker room but I I mean we 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 just kind of mentioned it Calais Campbell five and a half sacks was tied for the team lead with Justin Matabike and the team leader Justin Houston nine and a half sacks and he went off early and he kind of tailed off late too from what I recall um and so then your next leading sack guy and maybe they work him in more with Roquan being there as kind of, you know, utilize him to pressure the quarterback. Patrick Queen with five sacks. But, yeah, that's none of those guys we just named are an actual... Well, Justin Houston is, but he's not currently on the team. No one we <laughs> named is uh, outside linebackers on the team. And Tyus Bowser, you know, he rolls up today. Knee all, like, a bubble wrap, knee all wrapped up. Uh, he's not ready to go. So, like... You know, I, I just, I, you know, I don't want to completely give up the dream that Adafi Owe can get 10 sacks, but we haven't seen him sniff that at this point in his career. It's a make or break year for him. Ajabo obviously gets a lot more leeway just because he basically didn't play last year. Um, so maybe he has a breakout rookie year. Maybe maybe Ajabo is a 10-sack guy. That would be great. Um, but you still got to do something. And I think... I don't see Ngakwe coming back just because the way that <laughs> that ended with him. Uh, he didn't seem pleased about his time in Baltimore. Um, and uh, um, so I think they, I, I think it'd be hilarious if Clowney finally signs after, what, five years of four years of doing this. But I think the most logical 
answer is Houston. If he wants to play, you know, he's a guy who keeps floating, uh, thinking about retirement. It seems like every offseason, and he's uh, he was what thirty three last year was his birthday. I'm looking it up. He yeah, he's thirty four. He turned thirty four in January. So like. <laughs> I'd love for Justin Houston to not be the answer, but I think, like, you kind of... You have to do something just because, you know, especially if Bowser's not even 100%. You, it, there's just not enough there to start the season with. Yeah, I like Justin Houston. It's just like, should I come back again? All right, yeah, I'll come back. And then also just be your best pass rusher. That is the state of the Ravens at this position, is that this guy that, like, is questioning retirement every year just comes back and leads the team in, in sacks. Uh, that should not be the case. <laughs> this is, I don't know, Jace, the second most important position in the NFL after, mm, you know, quarterback it's... is the guy who goes and gets the quarterbacks. Why can they not address this? It, it's the it's the highest paid position yeah that uh, it's like court it's quarterbacks and then it's corners and defensive ends and we just don't seem to have them <laughs> yeah and i said i said why why do we not address this it's because we draft adafioe in the first round and it's a guy who the only thing he doesn't do well as a pass rusher is get sacks which they knew the whole time it's fine um i have my hopes on david ajabo jace i do think they add a, a veteran like you said but limited when a player has limited opportunities and seizes them in like the best way that their position possibly could, which is what Ojabo did in like a game and a half last year for the Ravens. I get very optimistic um, that that is not just like a lucky play or something fortunate that happened. That to me is talent that was waiting to show itself and finally had an opportunity to do so. The guy was a first round draft pick guaranteed until he got hurt right or during the combine. And the Ravens still took him in the second round. Like, how often does that happen? Where the guy only drops one round with a major injury on the eve of the draft. I think the talent is there. I think the health is there. He's ready to go. And I am optimistic about him uh, leading this team in sacks this season. Um, but shadowed by the presence of, of a veteran uh, of a veteran addition. Just one tag on Houston. Very much the Clayus Campbell thing we were just mentioning. He uh, he recorded um, only a half a sack in the final game of the season after uh, November twentieth. He had nine sacks after their November uh, November yeah after their November twentieth game. He had nine sacks. He finished the season with nine and a half, and he basically played all those games. So. Yeah, you need youth, <laughs> and hopefully a job is that guy. Uh, all right, next up, just a couple ones left here, um, and they're that last that last position group that I love talking about. <laughs> Which wide receiver, Jace? And I had to I had to phrase this a certain way to make it kind of uh, hot takey, but which wide receiver? Again, on the depth chart on week one, who is wide receiver one for this football team? After we have the summer, after we have the preseason, after we have practices, who do the Ravens look like, look at, and say, he's he's X, and he is the person that we are going to be trying to feed the ball to the most, uh, week one. Um, so my selection for the he is him uh, Ravens <laughs> award winner, it, it's got to be Odell Beckham Jr. And I think it's because of what we mentioned. Just the lack of faith in Rashad Bateman. It's I just don't think he's gonna be there, and he's missing this ramp up time. And 
you know, it, 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 could it be Zay Flowers? I have a doubts that a rookie could take it. So I think it kind of ends up being sort of Beckham by default. And that kind of scares me too. Obviously, we haven't seen Beckham since the Super Bowl two years ago in February of 2022 or a year and a half ago, I guess. Um, and, you know, a story comes out this week in The Athletic. He, he mentioned he thought about retiring. And you're like, I don't know if that's what I need from my, my wide receiver one. Sounds hungry. Yeah. He, you know, so, some quotes he said, you know, he, he said he thought it was over. I didn't want to get back up on the horse and do the same song and dance all over again. <laughs> I'm like, uh-oh. But that, that's, you know, cause for pause. But, uh, um. That being said, you know, he ended up deciding he didn't want to do that all over again. And I think I think he's kind of their one by default just because Bateman, you know, the guy we was number one last year entering the season and looked the part, we should also say, early in the year before he got hurt. If he's just hurt again and can't go, I, I, I think you just kind of just kind of ends up falling to Beckham just from his pedigree and the, the level of skill we know he has. Um but, yeah, it, there's definitely, the more I think about this room, the more concerned I get. <laughs> there, there's potential. I, I don't disagree. We, you mentioned it's maybe their most talented wide receiver room ever. And I think that's true, especially if Zay Flowers flashes. Um, but the Ravens always seem to get be slow in getting rookie wide receivers involved. And, uh, um, you know, and with Bateman's injury, Oak. If I may, this is a second one's bothering Jace. I was reading about, and it ties into the wide receivers, just this idea everyone's like, you know, there's this narrative that Lamar loves throwing to tight ends. And that's true. But I also was wondering, it's like, maybe he just likes throwing over the middle because throwing over the middle is the easiest and the Ravens have never had a receiver who's good at it <laughs> during the entire time he's been here. It's like, is that possible? Uh, what if what if Beckham's just that guy? And I hope he is. So, uh, you know, we'll find out if Lamar just truly loves tight ends or if it's the concept of throwing over the middle if these guys pop. Uh, but that was just something that was making me giving me a chuckle is uh, I was like it's like well we've never had a receiver that could catch a pass over the middle all five years he's been here so who's just who's to say maybe maybe he likes receivers over the middle just as much and we just haven't had a good one so I'm optimistic for the room but yeah when you kind of break it down it's like it's like who is the top dog I guess it is Beckham but I'm not I'm not 100% sold on that <laughs> Is Anquan Bolden still available? Is he? We would love a guy who can just run across the middle. Um, yeah, the Odell Beckham thing is incredible that he went from, I mean, according to him, almost <laughs> retiring and then pivoting into uh, a $15 million guaranteed uh, one-year deal. What, way to get off the mat, uh, Beckham. That, you know, I wish I could do the same. Um but Jason, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get extra spicy here. The jalapenos are coming out. Uh, I'm getting the chef's knife. I'm dicing them nice and fine to really get that that spice out. Um, and I'm saying Zay Flowers. Ooh, I'm saying Zay Flowers. I wasn't bold enough. <laughs> and it's just it's just blind speculation. I think Odell Beckham Jr. is gonna end up being this like more of a sec, not a security blanket. I mean, that's maybe too harsh of a term but he's gonna be more of the like we need a third and seven uh we'll go to odell beckham jr but the explosive 
X, the guy stretching the field, the guy shaking away from players, away from tackles, making guys fall over. I think it's safe flowers. Uh, and again, Jace, this is just July. How many times have I said this? This is July <laughs> manifestation. Um, until I see it from Beckham, I'm going to hesitate because of the injury, because of the year off. Um, would not shock me. Also this, it would not surprise me if Beckham is significantly better in the second half of the season than he is in the first half of the season. But guess who's healthy and hungry and talented and shifty and young? Zay Flowers, wide receiver one. Sorry, Rashad. Uh, until we see it, I don't even know yeah. where to put where to put you. I, I would love nothing more than for him to be wide receiver one. He should be. The wide receiver you drafted in the first round, what, two years ago should be your number one receiver. And he's flashed that potential. It's just it's just with the injuries, it's just so hard. Uh, I do think there's like there's a world where there's a non zero chance where somehow Nelson Aguilar ends up like the leading receiver yards wise out of this group. Uh, I wouldn't given Ravens history, I wouldn't rule that out. I'm sure Sammy Watkins led our team in Receiving yards one of the past few seasons, so... Uh, oh, Jace, that was... Go- I'm, oh, man. Was that, that was, just I last reworked year? this. <laughs> I reworked the question of who will be wide receiver one. It was going to be which wide receiver leads the team in receiving yards, and I was just going to wait to see if you said Aguilar. Yeah, I mean, uh-huh. there's... It's a, and this is the, the thing where I think it's a, we have a good problem here. There's question marks for several receivers... They're not all going to flop. Something is going to stick here. Um, They are talented players. They are high-pedigree players. One of the three of these guys, you know, between Beckham, Zay Flowers, and and Bateman, is going to, I expect, a 1,000-yard season from. It's going to happen. One of them is going to take it and be healthy and play. And then the perks are, do we get two of the three to really pop? And then the Super Bowl contending season is, do we get all three to pop at some point in this season? And that, paired with the tight ends, paired with the running backs, paired with frickin' Lamar Jackson at quarterback, is when the offense can be, you know, a super unit, basically. So, we will see. But, um, yeah, I had to I had to tweak it to who will be wide receiver one to make sure that uh, we didn't spend too much time <laughs> on this podcast talking about Nelson Aguilar. Okay. <laughs> The final, the final question. Speaking of mediocre wide receivers, uh, I had to save this question for last. Jace, between Tylen Wallace, James Prochet, or by the way, Laquan Treadwell, <laughs> first round draft pick, Laquan Treadwell, which one of these is the last wide receiver in? I, it's looking pretty clear that one of these three guys is going to get that last spot in the wide receiver room. Um, assuming the Ravens keep six receivers, which is pretty much the standard, you'd have Beckham, Bateman, Flowers, Duvernay, Aguilar as five kind of locked in spots, and then there's one spot left. So which of those three guys takes that final roster spot? So my initial lean was Tylen Wallace just because he's was drafted one year sooner, and I feel like we've seen less of him, which is actually... I think a check mark in his corner because uh, we know what James Prochet is. We've watched him. We've watched him too much. Some would say throwing passes against the Broncos, all kinds of things with James Prochet. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. Uh, 
But then I read this stat via Jeff Zarebek of The Athletic, and I think it fully solidified why Wallace is the pick for me uh, and why I think he's going to be the one that sticks and Prochet is going to be the odd man out. Over the past two seasons, Tyler Wallace has played 399 special team snaps compared to 178 for James Prochet. So, you know, he's played nearly double the amount of special teams uh, Wallace does, and I think for that alone, that kind of earns him the nod, along with just, you know, he's one year younger, so he probably has, a, what, an extra two years on his deal, I think, and uh, so more more contract time. We've seen less of him. I, I, I feel like the time is now to part ways with James Prochet. I, I, I truly will be completely baffled if he's on the team if he is on the team like come the start of the season he he must just like john harbaugh just must like legitimately love him like he must be just the greatest guy in the locker room but as a player i i just think you know i think he just even even though wallace has done basically nothing as a receiver yeah he has six receptions in his career uh Proche obviously has a few more than that but um, I, I think just for the special teams alone, it's going to be Wallace. And I, I think we've seen all we need to see from James Prochet at this point. Something's going to happen, Jace, to keep Prochet on this roster. Uh, it's going to be one of the receivers goes down. or Like a Duvernay Bateman foot and... tweak, and they're like, you're our, you're, you're our kick returner now. Something's going to happen. I agree with you. I think it is Tylen Wallace. And I've been actually impressed with his special teams play as well. Um, but this... Maybe we'll have to rename the James Prochet Award to, like, the James Prochet Will Never Die Award and give it to, like, the player that always just, like, hangs around <laughs> year after year. Um, yeah, he's going to make it. He's going to figure it out uh, in some way, shape, or form. But I do think ahead of him technically would be Tylen Wallace. <clears throat> All right, so that's it for our training camp questions. Well done, Jace, uh, handling those as they... As they came to, just a few more things to go over. General NFL. If you're not interested, you, you just turn it off. You turn it off right now. We'll see it. We'll see you in a couple weeks. If you are interested in hearing about the like NFL, like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> we have just a few things uh, that I wanted to to cover, and the one is, gosh, it's almost already stale at this point because it happened last week, and it was just this fury from both members of the media. Well, not just both members of the media members of the like NFL statistics community and NFL players themselves, current and former. And it's the running backs of the round table. Uh, and that's the term that I came up with here. And it is just <laughs> this explosion of fury over running backs being undervalued, overvalued. They're not getting paid. Why aren't they getting paid? They play one of the most important positions. What's happening? What to make of the current running back market. You have running backs collectively uh, going on Twitter to complain and subtweet statisticians making not very bold claims, in my opinion, about the position and about NFL offenses as a whole. Uh, there was a Zoom, apparently. I didn't get the invite to this, Jace. It was running backs only. But uh, a group of NFL running backs apparently had a Zoom meeting to find solutions about how to do this. Uh, a lot of current and former players posting, at worst, inaccurate, at best, misleading statements about contracts for the position. And I, oh boy, I mean, I sound maybe a little jaded here or something, I don't know. But 
is there anything to actually figure out here? Is there anything to actually fix here? It just kind of seems like a perfect storm of players in this position peaking at age 25 as opposed to 28 or 30, which can happen at some of the other high-profile positions. Less reliance on the running game across the NFL outside of the city of Baltimore. <laughs> and then more and more data proving that the talent curve at this position is significantly flatter than other positions. Fiend, isn't that's it. That's how you get Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook, Zeke Elliott, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, Kareem Hunt, all these guys who have had success but are, in theory, either at the end of their peak or already past it, all without long-term deals. And in some cases, without any deal at all. Uh, as we record, I think today, Saquon Barkley reportedly um, signed the, his one-year franchise tag for about $10 million. Two days ago, he was saying he might not even show up or he might not even play, pull the levy on Bell and not show up for a year. It seems, I mean, it's not much ado about nothing, but it seems much ado about something that is very clear and easy to understand. Um, and yet there's a lot of talk about, well, we need to change. We should change when these players get paid. We should change. They shouldn't even play college football. Like, just have them just sit out in college and play a year of college football and then wait until they're draft eligible. That, I don't think there are solutions. I think this is just the situation of this position in the NFL as it is right now because of how the game has changed. Guess who else doesn't get paid a ton? Middle relievers in <laughs> baseball. You know why? Because there's a lot of them. <laughs> and it's not a premium position at this point in baseball, and they get paid less than other players at other positions. Just, this is what happens based on need, based on data, based on game styles. And maybe 10 years ago, or 10 years from now, when they change a rule about tackling, the running back position is going to get valued again, and it'll change again. I, am I just, am I old man yelling at cloud here? No, I, I think the reason why it's happening, yeah, it is very obvious. I think it's, you know, uh, not helping the running back's case is every, you know, running back that's gotten a long-term deal. It basically, in recent history, it pretty much immediately backfiring. Um uh, that that's that's a case against them. The only thing you know, you mentioned what's there to do about it. The thing to do about it is pay attention to your union. That's what the NFLPA is to, there for. It's like these guys they're like they're like organizing zooms. It's like, hey guys, the time to do this was in 2020 when you were writing a CBA no one cared about but Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, that's that's the thing. That's what's, you know, suppressing their market is like uh, the the instruments like the tag and stuff like that. It, it, it's it's CBA issues, like you mentioned. Like if there is anything to do about it, and I don't really know that there is a solution, but it's like they're like trying to solve this thing now that the answer to it was the ten year CBA they signed three years ago. It's there's nothing you can change about your reality now. Now you're just a a a person caught up in the market uh, of capitalism, basically. And it's like this is what. This is what it is. Uh, we talked about the most expensive positions. Uh, quarterback, the people who rush the quarterback, and the people who defend the wide receivers who are the second highest paid players on the offense. It's like, you know, it, it, it's all about the passing game now. And, uh, yeah, and I feel bad for running backs because I love to, A, running backs one of my favorite positions to watch. I love running back highlights, you know. 
you're not going to have a funner time watching football than some Ladanian Tomlinson highlights or, you know, Barry Sanders highlights. Um, they're great. And, you know, it is weird because at all levels of football now, basically until the NFL, uh, running back is your best athlete. You make them your, your running backs in high school because they are your fastest and strongest and most athletic players. And they get the ball every play because no one can pass in most American high schools. And the same largely goes for college. And then you get to the NFL and now it's, oh, we have the best quarterbacks in the world. We don't need to run that much. It stinks for them. But yeah, like you said, there's not much they can do about it outside of um, having fought for this moment earlier. So I guess if I have a message for players, it's pay attention and maybe use your union or try to make your union stronger. The NFLPA is obviously one of the weakest of the football unions. Uh, I think in large part due to how many people are in it. Um, but yeah, there's nothing they can do now. They're on this CBA for, I think another seven years or something like that. It's they signed a 10 year deal, whenever they signed it last. So um, they really have no recourse. They can hold out, and then that, what's that get you? You're getting fined for missing games, and you're in the Le'Veon Bell situation where you didn't get paid for a year, and then you Steelers still had his rights, and they cut him, and he, he did get a contract, but I doubt many other people uh, are getting you know contracts from the Jets. Maybe some teams will, but yeah, it is surprising to me Like a guy like Dalvin Cook doesn't have a job. He's rushed for 1,100 yards each of the last four years. That's kind of weird, but also to your point, like, you know, a, a guy like Miles Sanders is just like on the Eagles and the Eagles have the best offensive line in football. So they just say, oh, we'll just draft a guy. And so they do <laughs> like, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of money ball for football more or less. Um, so, you know, I get why it's happening. It stinks for the players involved, but yeah, I, the, the, the like zoom meeting thing and them just like suddenly caring about this now, like this off season, I don't know. It just kind of struck me as like, this is why you have the union. And like, no one thought about this ahead of time. I don't know. That's not team's fault. That's that's kind of fault, the union's fault in a way. Uh, so yeah, it stinks, but it, it, in the grand scheme, it, it makes perfect sense why it's happening. And like you said, I'm sure there'll come a point where we devalue running backs so much they're valued again. <laughs> everything's, everything's uh, you know, happens in cycles. All right. Last thing to go over. And it's, uh, Open-ended, Jace, and it's just what your favorite NFL storyline is as we head into head into August, and we are going to blink, and it is going to be week one uh, of the NFL season. So, what are your uh, some some favorite things that you're going to be paying attention to in August? Is it uh, the Jets uh, maybe being either either way worse or way better than advertised? Some rebound potential for the Broncos with Sean Payton. Uh, seeing what Jordan Love can do in, in, in Green Bay. Do they do they just go ahead and get three straight Hall of Fame quarterbacks, one after the other in Green Bay? So uh, Bears resurgence, what, what are you looking at? I, I do think the, 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 the Jets-Packers combo is, I think, the funniest potential story of the 2023 season. If the, if the Jets crash and burn and just are bad and not even bad, but... I do think the Jets can be not as good as they might be hyped to be. Because you look at the Miami Dolphins roster, and it's really good. And you look at the Buffalo Bills roster, and it's really good. And you look at Aaron Rodgers' (coughs) age, which is turning 40 years old in December, and you look at what he did last year, and you say, but what if he's that guy again on a 
uh, on a team that isn't the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> that has a pretty good collection of talent. I, I think the funniest result is the Packers making the playoffs and the Jets missing the playoffs. I, I think that's what I'm rooting for as a neutral fan more than pretty much anything else uh, this season. Um, I don't love the Packers. I don't hate the Packers. Uh, I just think it'd be funny if the Jets miss the playoffs again after all this hype. They're the Hard Knocks team. You're going to get a lot of Jets. They're on national TV a ton this year. I believe it's, what, five or six primetime or exclusive window games, something like that this season. Uh, you're going to get the, a lot of Jets, and I just think, you know, you're going to get Rodgers on McAfee, I'm sure. And if that if it just goes off the rails, it'll be – It'll be a fun watch, and with the New York magnifying glass, you know, we'll get some some funny New York Post covers, probably. That's, I think, you know, the storyline I'm kind of following. They're apparently trying to curtail access to Hard Knocks. Not a show I really watch, but... If, so, it might be a boring Hard Knocks, but you're just going to get a lot of Jets, and I think, yeah, if, if, they, if they kind of underwhelm, and I think they might, because there's a real chance they're still the third best team in that division, <laughs> uh, you know, um, and the Packers make the playoffs in just an atrocious uh, NFC, largely top to bottom, I, I think that would be pretty funny. So that's kind of the thing, certainly of the non-Raven stuff I have my eyes on. This isn't really a storyline so much as just a dread I have, I guess, just one more to throw in. I think the Steelers are going to be good, and it's it's eating me up inside. I, I, I There's a chance I think every team in the AFC North has a winning record. Um, and while I think the Ravens will be good, we'll get more of this, I'm sure, in the weeks ahead. The Bengals will still be good. The Browns, you think, would be better. Some of the moves they made, you know, they bring in Zadarius Smith to go opposite uh, Miles Garrett. That's concerning. The Steelers had an awesome draft. If Kenny Pickett improves, it's going to be a very annoying year in the AFC North. And, uh, definitely a dogfight all the way. Yeah, that leads into my <clears throat> the point that I was going to make. First of all, the, the Packers stuff, I feel like 10-7 and seven could win the <laughs> NFC North next season. So that could, that could easily The Lions happen. are favored to win it right now, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. <laughs> um, the Jets stuff, boy, they better start off well. <laughs> Even even a one and three start, and you're already getting. I can just see Aaron Rodgers like losing his mind from the questions and the pressure and the conversations and the whatever the doubt. Uh, but my issue is actually with the uh, Denver Broncos, and I have some concerns, Jace, because there's so many good teams in the AFC. There are so many freaking quarterbacks that are good in the AFC. I do not need Russell Wilson to play better this year than he did last year and, like, rejoin that sort of top third uh, of quarterbacks in the National Football League, and it's purely because of Sean Payton joining them. They had a new quarterback on a new team as a veteran, which is basically what I think could very easily happen with the Jets, a veteran quarterback playing his whole career on one team, going somewhere else, and having to figure it out with a new coach who very clearly didn't know what the heck he was doing, and that was just a disaster in Denver, obviously, very quickly and just continued. I don't believe that Russell Wilson just forgot to play, foot, like how to play football. I, I refuse to believe that he could have been that bad. So I think it was just a mess there, and I think Sean Payton has been an offensive you know, horse whisperer for a very long period of time. And I'm afraid, Chase, I'm afraid that there's yet another team contending uh, in the AFC for either a wild card spot or something in the playoffs where all of a sudden it's 
Russell Wilson's back in Denver, and that's just like another team that we have to worry about. It, it is upsetting as a fan of an AFC team to look and see that, like, on paper, I think, like, the New England Patriots, still coached by Bill Belichick, and, like, a decent team. I think they, what, went 8-9, and 7-10 and last year? Like, not awful. I think they're easily on paper, like, the fourth worst team in the AFC. It's like, the only teams I think for sure are going to be bad in the AFC are the Raiders. The Raiders are probably going to be awful. Uh, the Texans are probably still going to be bad. Uh, and, and the Colts, I think, will be pretty bad. And maybe the Titans, depending on how their season goes. Um, every other team is going to be competing for, <laughs> for a playoff spot. And obviously, you know, only, uh, you know, your, your four division winners and three wild cards. It's a good team is going to miss the playoffs. Several good teams, probably. And uh, I just hope our team isn't one of them by you know, shooting themselves in the foot with stupid <laughs> games how we saw last year. So, yeah, the the, AFC, the state of just the AFC-NFC disparity is, is crazy, especially this is kind of a sort of a training camp storyline, but just, like, the idea that the Niners are one of, like, the two favorites to win the NFC when, like, it's uncertain when their starting quarterback can play or even who it will be. It's just like, yo, it's going to be Brock Purdy, the seventh-round rookie from last year. <laughs> everyone's just like yeah he's great <laughs> like what if he doesn't replicate it and then like he's their assumed starter and he can't even play because of his tommy john surgery yet he's he's still working his way back like sam darnold might be prominently involved in like one of the nfc favorites uh, you know trey lance who knows with him it, it, it's just such a weird i i don't recall Certainly my football watching time, there being this big a difference between the quality of the AFC and the NFC. And, of course, we root for an AFC team. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's going to do it for us. With that, a nice cheery note there. <laughs> but um, but you know what we have, Jace, is one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League. And that's what it comes down to uh, in the NFL. So, um, yeah, a, a, fun, a fun episode. Uh, I, I enjoyed... Uh, the training camp questions much more than the NFL, <laughs> the NFL section this week, but um, that's going to do it for us. We're going to come back to you guys in two weeks. We're going to do one more little week off here as we, uh, you know, head to the pool and, and soak up the sun and, and try to uh, relax a little bit before things really pick up uh, in August. But we're going to come back um, the second week of August, either the eighth, the episode will come out either the eighth or the ninth. And it's because we will be previewing an actual Ravens football game. And that is how quickly this stuff is coming. The Ravens' first preseason game at home against the Philadelphia Eagles is August 12th. And we will be back to break down um, whatever the heck happened in training camp. Hopefully have as few injuries to go over as possible. Hopefully have a few additions to talk about and then preview. Wow. Real football games being played in Baltimore. Jace, any final words before we sign off here? No, it feels like it's all happening, Antonio. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I, I am excited, and not to, uh, to to spoil. I know we I know we talked about just at the end how how, how hard the AFC is, but I'm expecting big things from our team this year. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Some positivity to to end things um, for Jace Evans and Antonio Barbera. Thank you so much for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you in two weeks.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.